0: Good morning everyone and welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Karen Mills and I have the honor of being your service leader this morning and co-director of Coriallis. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritual, questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land, a treaty, it's an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good stewards to our planet, good neighbors to one another, and good ancestors to all of our children. As we begin our service, I would invite you to quiet anything that rings or beeps or buzzes. And I want to just take a minute to have a little conversation first. The board met yesterday, given all of the uncharted territory that we're facing as a, a country, as a, as a world, and we made the decision that this will be our last in-person service for March. There will be an, a letter emailed out to everyone tomorrow, but there's also hard copies at the back if you want to pick it up on the way out. I want to really thank volunteers who have stepped up tremendously so far, uh, people who have organized more in-depth cleaning to go on so that we could continue safely this far in, people who've offered suggestions for different practices, and people who just acknowledge and realize how very important this community is, especially in challenging times. and so. We're also working on lots of different ways to keep connected because we certainly don't want to lose that during this time. So watch Facebook, watch Twitter. We are looking at reviving phone trees and maybe text trees and just ways to connect with one another and watch out for our neighbors. And I think this is such an incredible opportunity to live out our Unitarian values and look at that interdependent web. And uh, so that's what we'll do. So today we have the choir with us. We have a music-themed service. So we will begin with a prelude. We summon ourselves from the demands and delights of the daily round, from the dirty dishes and the unwaxed floors, from the unmowed grass and untrimmed bushes, from all the incompleteness and the not-yet-startedness, from the unholy and the unresolved. We summon ourselves to attend to our vision of peace and justice, of cleanliness and health, of delight and devotion, of the lovely and the holy, of who we are and what we can do. We summon the power of tradition and the exhilaration of newness, the wisdom of the ages, and the knowing of the very young. We summon beauty, eloquence, poetry, and music to be the bearers of our dreams. We would open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts To the amplest dimensions of life we rejoice in manifold promises and possibilities and i'd like to ask jennifer stewart to light our chalice this morning the chalice is the container the space where the musicians and listeners gather the candle is the fuel the hours of practice and the life experiences of everyone in the room the wick is the instrument and vocal cords through which the music will flow. And the flame, the flame, is the music which is created as if by magic, when the instruments are lifted, the breath is inhaled and the downbeat is nodded. May this flame ignite the music within us all. And we will move on to our next reading which is actually in the form of a prayer. It's called the Symphony of Life. Eternal spirit from whom all things come and to whom all things return. We gather this morning in community seeking to live in the harmony. Each of us here gathered lives lives out in our lives knowing our own story, our own private melody. Life at its highest and its sweetest is a sharing Life is a sharing of our melodies, of our love and interest, of our yearning and questions. We gather this morning as individuals, creating harmony in community together. May our different ways of knowing and naming the holy blend together. May our voices be added to the chorus of life. May we practice our scales that we may better improvise and recognize where we come in when it is our time. The world is rife with discord and trouble. Injustice and suffering weigh us down and trip us up and stop our voices. May we learn to trust in love, in our own voices, in the trembling faith of our forebears, to trust that we have a part in this symphony and we can join this chorus and bring some beauty to the cacophony around us. May there be times of gentle tones and soothing melodies, May there be rhythms upon which we can rely to rally our spirits in need. May there be teachers and bandmates, fans and good companions to help call us our best music out of us. And may there be moments when we are transported. Moments when we discover we are not playing the music so much as the music is flowing through us and the music is playing us. Spirit of life, may our song be among the songs of the Spirit. May there be beauty in our song and in our living. May there be meaning and power in our song. And may our individual voices join in chorus. The chorus that is thee, O Spirit. This we ask in the name of all that is holy. May it be so.
1: Well, first of all, we're going to do our Hymn of the Month, which is here together, and it's in, your, uh, it's in your order of service as the handout. And this morning we actually have the choir with us, so we're going to do it in four-part harmony. So what we'll do is we'll sing the Hymn of the Month twice together uh, with the choir and everybody together, and, uh, and then we'll come back and talk after that. Let's sing here together. Please rise and sing here together twice
2: through. We are here, here together in this home.
1: Well, there's a certain irony in coming up with a theme here together this year as we're shutting down our church for the rest of this month. And um, (laughs) when I pick the theme, I pick it in November. So, of course, I had no idea any of this was going to occur. So I apologize for picking a here together theme and not being able to come around and give each of you a hug. Uh, and we're going to have to move on, and we'll have to see what's going on. But the other thing that happens is, because we're shutting down for March, this is Pledge Deadline Day. And so if you look at the other side of your Here Together song, there is the pledge form, and I would encourage anybody who has not pledged yet to please fill one out, even today if you could. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to do it online. Um, that's just the way it's going to be. Please pledge. Pledge. The church will still have bills to pay, we'll still have staff to pay. Uh, We want to be prepared for when we return, and we will return. It will be some time, but we will return. So, as we get ready to take the offering, please take your pledge forms in hand. And remember, in our offering, we're also giving half of our unidentified contribution to the Unitarian sorry, the International Council of Unitarians, and that we won't be here for the next three weeks. And so you need to give a little extra to them as well today in the plate. That would be great if you could. Um, When we pass the plate today, the ushers will hold on to the plate. We won't pass hand to hand. We'll come around with the plate. So just so you know, don't take the plate from them. And um, I'm going to do a little reading, and then we'll carry on from there. So... We give to remind ourselves how many gifts we have to offer. We give to remember that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We give because we believe in music and sacred space. We give with the faith that together we have enough. We'll now take an offering for the work of the church.
3: Reverend Katie Romano Griffin, who serves as an associate minister at Cedar Lane Unitarian Universalist Church in the D.C. metro area. She begins her reading with a quote by Manuel Zoto. Tango is a social dance, a dance of the people. What would be the point of having lessons with teachers if we all taught the same way? That is the charm of tango. Each person finds a different character and style. I find myself struggling with a person or group. I sometimes consider isolating myself from them altogether. That's when I retreat to a space where I can hear tango music. In an instant, I'm eight years old again. I can smell the hot cafe Bustello percolating from a tiny pot on my grandmother's stove while she plays cards with my grandfather and, her chi- and his childhood best friend from Argentina. The music starts playing while my aunts and uncles move the furniture so they can dance. In mere moments, the living room becomes transformed into a space of expression, celebration, and connection. My mother and uncle are clearly the most skilled dancers. They settle into an easy rhythm together, floating across the old terrazzo flooring, the card players occasionally pausing to watch. The order turns to chaos as everyone takes turns practicing their steps on their own, and then we engage with other family members. We each bring our own skill, abilities, strengths, and weaknesses to tango, but we always seek to balance, feeling our way through the relationship of the dance with each new partner and with respect and love for the person and the music's rhythm. The tango of my youth was not as inclusive as my sweet memory would lead me to believe. But I can smile at that memory and know that the spirit of tango extends beyond my eight-year-old understanding to a more inclusive dance, one that makes space for a theology of a better world. On the dance floor, of mutual respect, with people of all genders, sexual orientations, abilities, races, and ethnicities. When I meditate on this inclusive tango of the people, I ask myself, this person or group that I'm struggling with, am I wrestling with a different character or style, or is something else happening here? Do we have an agreement of respect, or is one of us trying to dominate what they don't understand? it's one of us more skilled and therefore needs to meet the other partner where they are and help them move to new places or does one need to engage with other learning partners before we can attempt to be in relationship may I always remember that tango like life is a dance for the people it's meant to be shared Not practiced in isolation may the rhythm of the tango expand my spirit and remind me to seek to be in relationship with my fellow dancers in life while also being mindful that it's okay to say no to those who in the moment do not wish to work through the challenges of the dance with love and respect and as we continue on a dance theme I invite you to turn into your green hymn book to hymn number 311 let there be a dance I invite you to stand if you are willing and able as we join in singing hymn number 311 <laughs>
0: thinking about the music theme, I uh, wasn't quite sure which way to go in terms of having a reflection, and I looked at lots of ones that I found online, and then it seemed, you know, as often happens with me, um, if you kind of put something out to the universe and go looking for it, you find it, and it just seemed there were forces converging that uh, I think probably the words I'm about to say are more more the words I need to hear than maybe you do, but I'm gonna share them with you anyways. So I'm asking myself, who's the conductor of your life? And really it's who's conducting my life. For the last few months it seemed to me that uh, things have been moving at lightning speed, or for all you Star Trek fans, at warp speed. Most nights and weekends are booked with some activity or event, volunteering, trying to keep up with friends. And in between, there's laundry and grocery shopping and all those fun things to do. And at work, we've been grappling with seemingly weekly changes to budget and legislation and directives and reporting requirements. And that was all before the daily meetings about COVID response. So I know I'm not alone in these feelings either, though, because also for the last few months, when I ask people how they are, I would say the most frequent reply that I get is, busy, busy and tired, so busy. Every group I belong to, I hear people lamenting about how there is just not enough time and I watch people rush in from another meeting or activity and rush out before that activity is done to get to something else. And it makes me step back and think, maybe not often enough or soon enough, who or what is driving this sense of urgency? who is conducting my life? So since music is the theme today, I'm going to look at this conducting question quite literally. I've studied music and conducting and have learned by doing over the years while directing musical theater and different courses and with Coriolis. And I'm wondering what would it look like if I took more of those lessons into my everyday life? Well. First, I'd have to acknowledge that, as in life, with conducting, there's always more to learn. Good conductors always keep learning about a musical piece, about an instrument, about a vocal technique, about a composer, about a period of music. They approach their task with wonder and curiosity. They also look outside themselves for strength and support. Individuals who are called to conduct seek out mentors, many of them apprentice, often under several guides. They look to the wisdom and experience of others to help them refine their craft. I'd also remember that before good conductors attempt to lead others, they first take time to prepare themselves. Before introducing a piece to others, they look ahead and see where the tricky bits might be. Where will they have to expend more energy? What sections might require more patience? They think about what is important in a song or to a composer. What period is it from? Are there cultural or historical references that they need to know and let their performers know about as well? Why was the piece written? Is it a love song? A lullaby? A coronation march? A funeral mass? Was it written for a harpsichord in a salon, or a pipe organ in a magnificent cathedral? Study and reflection are central to their work. They also take time to practice. What gestures are going to evoke the sound that they want? How will they get the mood that they desire? When will singers need a breath, a clear entrance cue, or a reminder to shift the dynamics? All of this preparation helps them be clear in their own minds so that they can clearly communicate the goal to others. A conductor chooses their tempo and their dynamics carefully. If they go too slowly, then the singers might have a hard time producing the phrasing that they want, or the audience might just lose interest. However, if they go too fast, the singers are going to be breathless and the piece ragged. Conductors know, though, that they can also vary the tempo and the dynamics within a piece, between the sections, so that some parts are slow, some parts are quick, some parts are louder, some parts are softer. Nothing is static, but the most effective changes are planned and add to the overall beauty of the whole piece. Really good conductors also know that they're not a boss they're a facilitator. They're a conduit. They're always aware that they are part of a larger community. They enable a more harmonious and beautiful song to emerge. I think we've all been at a concert, and it's similar to the first reading this morning, where it's as if a whole ensemble is breathing and thinking together and Their whole shared goal is just being the conduit for that music, and it's transcendent and it's magic. But those moments don't happen by accident. They're the result of careful preparation and planning and carefully considered choices, all of which also allow the conductor and the performers to be fully present in the moment and go where the music takes them. Good conductors also realize that both they and the singers are in a very vulnerable spot together. Not only is singing itself vulnerable because you can't do it without engaging your whole body and showing emotion and letting your feelings run through that, but both the conductor and the singers are trusting each other with their reputations. When things don't go as well as I would like in a rehearsal, it's usually because I've missed one of those steps. Maybe I didn't spend enough time preparing. Maybe I let the pace of the day and the anxiety dictate the tempo rather than taking the time to step back and reflect on what would best serve that piece. Maybe I was so focused on my interpretation of the song that I forgot to listen to the needs and the ideas and the creativity of the singers around me. I think the same is true in my life. When I don't take time to reflect or prepare, things don't go as smoothly. When I let outside forces dictate my choices and my pace or tempo, I feel stressed and resentful. And if I'm absorbed in my own needs or clinging to an idea, I miss the value that others contribute and add. Yes, there are definitely some lessons I should be taking from choir into my life. And as I do, I'm also going to keep in mind the words of teacher and writer Seth Godin. Art is when we do work that matters in a creative way, in a way that touches people and changes them for the better. Blessed be. I invite you now into a time of meditation. We're gonna have a reading first, some words to reflect on, some silent time to reflect, and then a song. So our words are a meditation on musica universalis. And I wish I had a diagram, it didn't make it into the order of service, but it, it looks like a ladder. It's a diagram with several steps. And so if you can just picture kind of a progression of steps as I talk, that might help. So the ancient Greek philosopher Pythagoras taught that the universe was composed entirely of numbers, and numbers corresponded to music. So the entire universe, all of reality, including us, was composed of numbers and music. The seven planets of the ancient world each resonated a frequency. Outward into the universe. Each planet played a different note on the musical scale. Their music was not something we heard audibly, but their cosmic vibration, their resonance could impact us and all music could. Pythagoreans believed that music purified and nourished our souls, keeping us spiritually healthy in the same way exercise and nutrition does for our body. So I invite you to contemplate. What music do you need to purify or nourish your soul right now? Do you need a peppy tune to make you smile and dance? Perhaps you need a love ballad to help you celebrate a love in your life. Or do you need a sad song to speak to you about a loss in your life? Maybe you need a dirge to help you grieve and mourn that loss. Or do you need a happy song to help you celebrate an aspect of your life? Do you need a cacophony of noise to rattle you into a new awareness? Or perhaps you long for a calm lullaby to bring you peace and serenity. As we enter into silence, I invite you to consider the song that is speaking to you at this moment. Imagine it is resonating within you, but also outward in all directions, bringing your resonance to those next to you, then the people next to them, outward until it fills the room, connecting you with everyone else, communicating where you are today. Let us enter the silence.
4: I will lift up my voice by Robert T. Weston. I will lift up my voice and sing. Whatever may befall me, I will still follow the light which kindles song. I will listen to the music arising out of grief and joy alike. I will not deny my voice to the song. For in the depth of winter, song like a bud peeping through the dry crust of earth, brings back memory and creates anew the hope and anticipation of spring. Out of a world that seems barren of hope, song decrees beauty in the shapes of leafless trees, lifts our eyes to distant mountain peaks which, even if we see them not, remind us that they are there, waiting and still calling to us to come up higher. Out of the destruction of dear hopes, out of the agony of heartbreak, song rises once more to whisper to us that even this is but the stage setting for a new beginning and that we shall yet take the pieces of our hearts, and put them together in a pattern of deeper, truer lights and shades. I will lift up my voice in song, for in singing I myself am renewed, and the darkness of night is touched by the promise of a new dawn, for light shall come again.
0: I invite you all now to sing hymn number 1059 in the teal smaller hymn books. And we're going to just do it three times through. And Gordon will play it once through for us because it's a little less familiar than some of our other songs. Um, And please stand as you are able. Closing words, the universe sings no less because time and space wear us thin. The music calls us to recognize our limitations, to recognize that the song is best sung with others. We have a post-lute to put some pep in your step on your way out. We'll sing Carry the Flame. We'll do it a little bit differently, so I'll give you instructions when that comes, and then we'll have some... Church Announcement. the flame, but instead of joining hands today, I'll give you two options. You can either hold your hand over to your heart, or uh, make yourself your own chalice, and carry the flame.
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> um,